So it's Monday, thirtieth of December. It's in between Christmas and the New Year period, and it's Peter Ahmad here in Adelaide, and Ken Borland back in Johannesburg. Ken, how are you doing? Happy festive season, my friend. And to you, Pete. All good, thanks. Yeah, always, always better when the process win, of course. Well, I think this is our eighth or ninth episode, and finally we get something to cheer about. Not so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's uh, been quite a while between drinks, as they, as they say. Well, indeed, indeed. But South Africa uh, persevering by 107 runs. Really looking forward to hearing uh, your uh, insights and thoughts on the last four days' cricket um, and looking ahead now to the second test in Cape Town, which should be something for us to really look forward to. But, Ken, let's talk about the preceding four days. England win the toss and decide to put South Africa in. Your initial thoughts, both in terms of the toss and the, the team selection, obviously England having quite a number of challenges in the lead-up with sickness and some other off-field issues. But, uh, yeah, what was your thoughts prior to the test match starting and then that toss and the decision to insert uh, South Africa first up? Yeah, well, uh, the, the England team selection was sort of inextricably linked to what they did at the toss, really. So because there were so many question marks over the fitness of the England pace bowlers, uh, you know, guys like Joffrey Archer and Stuart Broad didn't participate, didn't bowl a ball in either of the two warm-up games in Benoni. So, sort of knowing where they were fitness-wise was quite a challenge for the English. So, sure. they had to load their side with placement just to make sure that if, if one or two of them went down, they still had um, enough cover, which, uh, according to them, and, and Joe did say this, that, you know, it, it always sort of put in their mind that they're going to need to bowl first. Unfortunately, history at, at Supersport Park in Centurion and Jarut again did say after that they, they were aware of the history. You know, history has shown that it's, it's definitely a ground where you want to bat first. You know, it's, it's always tough on that first day, especially the first session. Uh, the ball is going to do a lot. But the big thing about uh, Centurion is that that pitch gets more up and down as, as the game progresses. And on days four and five, you really do start getting some inconsistent bounce and yeah. Uh, teams don't really want to be batting last on, on that surface. So most people, I think, were very surprised with England uh, electing to bowl first. Uh, it's what South Africa would have, they would have batted first if they had won the first anyway. You know, I, I think we certainly saw on day four that it was starting to get a bit more up and down. Uh, it, it helped, sorry, days three and four were quite overcast. They, they due to an extent as well. So we didn't quite have as much sun baking the pitch and making the cracks wider. I think the Proteus still felt that Toss did have quite a big influence on the game. Um, I know in the, in the press comments when I asked Mark Boucher the question, Buck was sitting there nodding his head <laughs> quite vigorously. Mm. So, yeah, England perhaps could have made life a bit easier for themselves that and so we see two two uh, debutants for South Africa in Dwayne Pretorius and the Rassi van der Dissen finally getting his chance uh, to bat in the middle order there. Your thoughts on, on that team selection from South Africa's side? Yeah, I think it was the, the team selection we expected. And, uh, you know, just wonderful that the, the two debutants and also there were two, you know, real sort of rookie players on the side as well, both playing in their third test. That's uh, Zubair Hamza and uh, unrecorded here, lumping those four together, it, it was really wonderful that all four of them thoroughly justified um, their selection. Yes. Um, Indeed. I, yeah, you know, I thought I thought Zubair Hamza looked really, really solid on that first morning. Uh, was batting really nicely, and 
maybe just a victim of the glorious cover drive he played the ball before his dismissal. Um, he held his pose against Stuart Broad and you could <laughs> just see that he was really getting under the, the skin of the English and, and, and fortunately just the next delivery he played at, which, which you know, he'd been leaving balls that were a lot closer to the stumps uh, than that one. So a pity that he, he got out to 39 when well set, but just the way he looked at the feet, how comfortable he was, technically proficient, very impressed with Hamza, so that was great. Uh, Rusty Fandersen didn't have a, a very happy first half of the game. Battled his game in the first innings, uh, dropped a couple of catches at first slip. But uh, you know, in the second innings, that that innings of his batting on the third morning was absolutely vital. You know, um, South Africa lost four quite quick wickets, and one just sensed that uh, there was a chance of them letting go. Uh, that really good advantage on the first innings. But Rusty uh, on that third morning just showing all his composure and maturity. And, wow. and let's not forget, yeah, yeah, let's not forget Unrich Kier. I mean, what an effort by a night watchman um, he produced, you know, having to survive two beamers the night before from Dr. Archer. It just shows the real sort of determination and guts of the man. And I'll tell you, in the England second innings, when he was roaring in and bowling so fast, absolutely exhilarating. Uh, to see Amrit Kulkir, to see a, a new young fast bowler uh, just running in and, and bowling really blitz and, and just such passion uh, and aggression. So that was great from Amrit Kulkir's point of view. And then Dwayne Pretorius, you know, I think performed the role he was chosen to do absolutely perfectly. That's uh, 33 of us in the first lesson. Yeah, keeping Quinton de Kock uh, company. That was an absolutely vital partnership. You know, um, it's all very well having Quinny the Cock at the crease, and we we know what a great batsman he is. Uh, but he needs someone to stick around with him. He needs support at the other end. And uh, Pretorius did that superbly with the bat in the first innings. And then his bowling, uh, his combined match figures were 24 overs, 8 maidens, 2 for 49. Which for the fourth, fourth seamer was just perfect. You know, especially in that second innings, uh, he and Vernon Fernando really kept the run rate down. Uh, extremely well, so uh, you know England always felt that they were, you know, really scrapping for every run uh, in their second innings. Which, when you're chasing a really, really big target, you kind of feel that you you don't want to get stuck. You want you want to actually see the scoreboard ticking over and, and feel that you're making progress. So yeah, those four guys all did a great job and and all more than justified their their selection for for the second test at Newlands. Well, I mean, that's great news. I mean, let's just talk in terms of the summary then of that first innings by South Africa. Quite a recovery because we saw Dean Elgar going out first ball, and there's a whole story behind that. And the cameraman, which obviously, uh, you know, cost South Africa daily at the beginning. Um, but basically a recovery, particularly in that middle order, uh, through, as you said, the back end, ultimately all out in the first innings for 284. Let's talk again about the summary of England's first innings in response to that first inning score of 284. So it looked quite fitting when Denley and, and Root were getting getting going out. I, I must say the new ball spells by Fernando and Rabada were absolutely outstanding. Uh, no. And they really complemented each other you know, really well. Vernon Fernando started with five successive maidens. So, uh, I mean, that just tells you that he's giving the batsmen absolutely nothing, and he was really challenging them hugely with the new ball. Rabada was, was just at his fiery, aggressive first, uh, and was really a handful for them as well. He, he only picked up the one wicket with the new ball, but, you know, he could have had two or three more quite easily. So, 
that was superb. And then, you know, Denny and Ruth batted really well to get them through the lunch, uh, only two down. And there were just signs in the afternoon that they were getting a really good partnership going. And uh, fortunately, Philander returned, got Ruth. Dwayne Pretorius chipping in with a, a very useful wicket of Denley. Which was and, a uh, point take, Ken. Yeah, for sure. And then England just collapsed. I mean, that uh, Nokia getting Ben Stokes, obviously a massive wicket. Then, uh, you know, Besto and Butler both really seem to be out of sorts at the moment. Uh, that seems a bit of a, a vulnerable area for, for England's batting. You know, you, you've got Ruth and Stokes in the middle order. Denley's in good form. But either side of them, uh, there's still a lot of question marks in England. So, yeah, they, they went from 142 for three to 181 all out, which is a, you know, a really terrible collapse. Uh, th- that happened when the ball was, well, I mean, Denny got out in the 58th over. So it's, it's not really a new ball at that stage. So, yeah, a really disappointing collapse by England from their point of view in that first innings. You know, and, and if you consider a lead of 103 runs, uh, in a relatively low scoring test, uh, was always going to be a massive advantage for the Proteus. I, I think it's been a sign of England's weaknesses in, when they've done poorly, Ken, is, there, is, is this sort of propensity to collapse. I mean, they didn't, they didn't even bat for, for 55 overs before they, they, they closed the innings. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I, I think there's similarities, you know, between both batting lineups in a way, and that uh, a lot of guys who are lacking confidence, you know, there are a couple of gun players who, who are proven uh, competitors that, that you know, when they fail, then there doesn't seem to be that much uh, around them. So, you know, two off-form batting lineups, if you like, and De Kock really making a massive difference in that first innings between the two sides. You know, he made 95 and the lead was 103, and that was, you know, absolutely crucial. That was pretty much the margin of victory at the end of the, end of the game. Absolutely. So we will talk about Burns and Sydney, who did very well in the second knock, but obviously their, their, partner, their opening partnership was worth very little to start with. And then only Joe Denley with a score of 50, um, really, you know, going to that half-century uh, milestone. Everyone else sort of getting in and then getting out. So I mean, England, as you say, uh, start with a massive deficit of over 100 runs. Um, in terms of the bowling, your thoughts there in terms of, uh, certainly you've mentioned Vernon's start, an amazing return of four wickets for 16 in those 14 overs that he bowled. Anybody else who picked, uh, you would say was a, a, a pick alongside him? Yeah, well, Vernon was obviously you know, absolutely outstanding, and that's the sort of pressure bowling that, that really leads to wickets, and you know he got four of them. I thought Kikita Rabada in patches was really close to his best. He was still a bit expensive, four and a half uh, per over. But uh, in patches, he, he bowled really well and, and could have had more than three wickets. Uh, so that was good to see. Uh, I've mentioned Dwayne Pretorius just uh, really doing his job of, of keeping things tight. Tight. Uh, yeah, while the bowlers was did that very well. Uh, Andrew Lockyer had a bit of a mixed start uh, to his style, but then... Really got better and better the more he bowled, and, and those two wickets he got in quick succession of, of Bairstow and Stokes, uh, obviously hugely important um, to South Africa's cause. So, you know, it, it was a, a satisfying performance for him as well. South Africa start, almost, I say, 100, 100 without loss, or 100 more uh, without loss, uh, but unfortunately, uh, a quick, quick loss of Aidan Markram uh, at the start of the innings. Uh, and some rebuilding in the middle middle order before South Africa dismissed for 272. 
uh, in their second inning. Some thoughts there, Ken, on, on, the, on the summary, both from South Africa's batting as well as England's bowling. I do want to talk about England's bowling, specifically Anderson Broad, Archer, and the amazing, or I thought was very impressive, uh, return by young Sam Curran. Obviously, uh, very disappointing for Aidan Markham uh, to come back after that fractured wrist. Not a great game with the bats. He um, got out softly in the first innings uh, when he had 20. And in the second innings, just that old old failure of plumping the front leg and uh, playing across it and, you know, to a masterful swing bowler like Jimmy Anderson, you, you're always going to find yourself in trouble. For trouble, yeah. Yeah, doing that. So, uh, And then, of course, he, he fractured a finger in, in the warm-up uh, the next day. So he's going to be out for the rest of the series. So, you know, poor Adam Markham really going yeah, through a yeah. torrid really time yeah. at the moment. I did feel in a way that, you know, one can understand South Africa with a lead of 100 wanted to come out positive and wanted to ram home the advantage. But I just felt things were a little bit too frenetic on that second half. slack. Bit slack, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, so so they went. I think they went a little bit too hard, but over positive, and and got themselves into a spot of bother. You know, um, what were they overnight? They were seventy-two for four overnight. With Nokia, now, with Nokia helping out there, yes, as night watchman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, he was there as the night watchman. So that's effectively one hundred and seventy-five for four. You just think that if the collapse continues on the next morning, you know, England could be chasing. 270-280, which, which lets them back into the game. But well done to Rusty Funder, just in a really composed innings for him. And, uh, yeah, Andrew Knockier on that third morning, you know, that partnership of 91 uh, really took the wind out of out of England's sails. See their heads drop, and then, we saw, you know, that... We saw, a few words, we saw a few words between Stokes and Stuart Broad. And, and Broad, yeah, exactly. So, on on, on the could, field, yeah. Yeah, you could definitely sense the frustration for England. Uh, you know, there, there can't be many more frustrating things than a night watchman uh, sticking yeah. around for a couple of hours and scoring 40. Um, you know, especially when he's not really known as a batsman. Uh, Nokia's highest franchise score is just 26. So he's first class score now is just 50. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then an absolutely sensational uh, period of play when, when Quinton de Kock uh, took to Joffre Archer. Uh, you know, the Beamer, yeah, the, 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 the Beamer incident of the evening before, you know, really upset the Proteus. I'm not sure they were hugely upset at Archer. I, I think they recognized that he was trying to bowl slower balls. Why on earth, your last two balls of the day, when you're one of the fastest bowlers in the world, at a night watchman, and you're trying to bowl slower balls? I just don't get it. Uh, he should have been fast and straight at, at Nokia Stubbs. Uh, but anyway, so these two slower balls come out horribly wrong. Uh, they're both head-eye beamers. The first one is called no ball. Now, according to the, the, the playing conditions in test cricket, if a player is warned for two deliveries over waist high that are being dangerous yeah. by the outside, then he, yeah, he's suspended from bowling for the rest of the innings. He's not allowed to bowl again. You know, the first one was clearly a beamer, and the players gave him a warning. The second one was... Just as bad, if not worse. You know, we, we spoke to Andrew Nokia, and, and he said, you know, I ducked because it was at my head. Um, it went over my head. If I hadn't have ducked, uh, it would have hit me in the head. Uh, so it was clearly dangerous. And one could see him by poor rifle stuck out his hand at square leg to call the no ball. And then sheepishly, uh, with Stuart one stroke, Archer started pleading and whining. Uh, uh, so it was, it was really a, a bad moment. 
for the officials who did not have a, a, a good game. It must be said there were a lot of decisions overturned on review. You know, South Africa were really angered because at that stage of the game, at 70 for four, you take Dr. Archer out of the attack as he as he should have been. Massive difference. Potentially to the outcome. So, you know, I think the next day South Africa were really fired up. They've certainly identified Archer as a key man in the series and, and they don't want to allow him to, to settle. And wow, that onslaught, Quinton de Kock launch on him was just phenomenal. What, uh, it was exciting. Tremend- it really was an exciting player, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, tremendous cricket that was. So that was 34 quick runs. And then Vernon Salander, what a fantastic Good catch match here. Solid. Uh, yeah. Bowling superbly. Batting in both innings was, was really invaluable runs he scored. So, you know, he got 46, number 10 got 11, number 11 got 16 not out. So, you know, that's another 70 runs added between the last three batsmen, which t- took the game out of England's reach. So, you know, really good batting effort in the end by South Africa uh, in that second innings. Extras, I mean, 19 extras as well. That, that wouldn't really help England's cause either. Uh, and when we look at the bowling figures. Yes, Dr. Archer, five wickets, but at 102 runs off 17 overs, going at six and over. Uh, as you say, trying, you know, in a, a tense test match where, you know, England trying to get back into it. That's expensive figures in, in anyone's book, notwithstanding the five wickets. I must say, I was underwhelmed by Dr. Archer. Uh, he's clearly got a, a lot of pace, but didn't really show much else in the game. And I also question his, his um, ability, his, maybe his tactical ability to read the game and, and respond to the situation just in terms of what he's trying to do with the ball. So, yeah, Archer to me was disappointing. And, yeah, I'm sure he took five wickets. So, guy of his talent is, if he gets it right, it's, it's bound to be a hell of a delivery. Going at six and over, you know, it's, it's in terms of economy rate, it's the fourth worst economy rate in test history. Uh, for someone who took five wickets in an innings. Is that right? So, well, yeah. That is quite a uh, thing. Uh, yes. That courtesy of our, our friend Andrew Sampson, the, the, oh, Mr. the Oracle of Statisticians. Yeah, so, sure, Archer got five wickets, but he allowed South Africa a lot of momentum, you know, a lot of quick runs uh, in that second innings. And, uh, you know, the overall run rate in that innings was 4.41, uh, which is... Which is you know, high. Really, which is high for a for a test match when the pitch does have quite a lot in it for the bowlers. One of the mysteries, Ben Stokes, only bowling eight overs, two for 22, England's most economical bowler, and underused, really, which was weird. Uh, you mentioned Sam Curran. Uh, he was outstanding in the first inning. Yeah, uh, I thought he was he uh, almost arguably what the, the, the pick, in fact. And certainly in terms of yes, effort versus yeah. reward, yeah. disappointed yeah. in the spike yeah. in that first knock. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, he he just looks like a, a classic swing bowler, uh, but really well in that first innings. Second innings, it, it, it was a bit odd because it was overcast in that, but it, the swing just wasn't quite there. Can your thoughts on on the the phenomenal combination of Anderson and Broad? It's fantastic to see them touring South Africa. We expect a lot from them, and uh, overall. Fairly underwhelming. So shared a wicket piece in the second innings. If we go back to the um, the, the first innings, they basically Stuart Broad with his four you've mentioned, and, and James Anderson with a single wicket. But your thought of the two of them opening as the opening bowling pair in tandem? Your thoughts of that them as a combination as a strike bowling pair? Look, Broad, I thought was really really good in, in the first innings, um, and uh, he he just always seems to thrive in South African conditions. 
he, he's done quite a lot better here than, than Jimmy Anderson has. Anderson, yeah, he was okay. Not, not at his best. I mean, his, his wicket in the first innings uh, was a wretched delivery, just one of those things that, that Dino happened to get a touch to it down the leg side. And striking early in the second innings to get Mark from the game, but he, he didn't seem to be that much of a threat. You know, they're obviously both great bowlers, but uh, questions are starting to be asked uh, by the English media, you know, about should Anderson and Ball still be playing together? What's going to make for a really interesting selection for England uh, at Newlands is if Chris Wokes has recovered. I, I'm, a, I'm a Chris Wokes fan. I think he's a, he's a hell of a bowler. You know, he gives you control. He runs in hard all day. Pretty pacey. You know, uh, can do stuff with the ball. Uh, always at the batsman. A, a really good bowler, Chris Wokes. So if, if he's fit, let's not forget that, you know, England could get away with not playing a spinner. Uh, as Centurion, Joe Root is filling in. Mm-hmm. But uh, generally at Newlands, uh, you have to play a spinner. So, sure. you know, uh, so already they've got to leave out one bowler to bring uh, the spinner in. If Wokes is fit, who do they then leave out for him? So, a very interesting selection coming up for England. Could you foresee a, a situation where Archer doesn't play at uh, Newlands? And that they do go with the tried and tested uh, hands of Anderson and Broad? You know, there's so much hype around. So much hype around Archer that I think it could take a lot for them to leave Archer out. Um, and he did get five wickets, so he is giving them some sort of strike power. Uh, you know, I think Anderson, Anderson could be vulnerable. I think Sam Curran, if they feel that the ball is not going to swing in Cape Town, then Curran could be vulnerable. Yeah, it's ahead of a difficult run. I mean, interesting. You know, Wilkes can bat a bit. So Wilkes is probably uh, a bit like Vernon Philander uh, in terms of quality of batting. He's our best, uh, bring in Wokes for, for best, uh, and then you bring in the spinner for, for Jimmy Anderson, probably. Interesting. Well, let, 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 let's conclude on the, on the team selection just now. Let's talk about what I can only describe as being a game of two halves in England's second innings, and an outstanding effort uh, at the top of the order, and then I guess the fourth day pitch really starting to play into the hands of the South African Quicks, and ultimately, South Africa do persevere. England rolled for 268, but in 93 overs, and some really good, I thought, uh, authoritative batting uh, up up the order there from England, and really made what what should have been a formality for South Africa at one stage look uh, look very much in doubt. Certainly on on the overnight third into fourth day, I thought we were set up for a fascinating contest. Absolutely, Peter. Yeah, you know, I was really impressed by Rory Burns. Uh, thought he batted exceptionally well uh, in the second innings. Uh, you know, he looks a really compact, solid opening batsman. He was positive at the same time. So, uh, yeah, he did a great job uh, at the top of the order for England. Fantastic effort by him. And, yeah, yeah, that, that last day really wasn't falling. Uh, you know, in England might have been a long shot, but you always felt that if we've got going, if Stokes got going, if they had a big partnership somewhere, and, you know, guys like Butler and Besto can be really, really dangerous as well. So, and England bat deep, def, sorry, bat deep <laughs> with Curran and Archer mm. uh, at eight and nine. So, yeah, it, it was a nervous final day. But I think the, the, the crucial thing was that South Africa never really relinquished control. That, that morning session when they bowled 25 overs for 50 runs and they managed to nip up two wickets, that really... Yeah, Picked them up for a good day. It meant England was still under pressure, and by not giving them runs, it meant England kind of had to go looking for runs. It meant they were playing at deliveries outside all stunts that 
maybe they would rather leave um, in normal circumstances. You know, I know England had two days to, to get the runs, but I, I think it plays on your mind. You look at the scoreboard and you see, oh, we still need more than 200 runs. Uh, we're going nowhere. We just don't seem to get a run. We, we've got to get this forward moving. Yeah. We have to, by making it really hard for England to score, you know, you, you, you make them frustrated. You make them make a mistake, basically. So I thought South Africa did that exceptionally well. I had a feeling going into that fourth day that Keshav Maharaj would play a key role. I thought he was South Africa's best bowler uh, on the third evening. So he asked uh, a lot of questions of the England batsmen. And uh, sure enough, after lunch, Maharaj picking up the key wicket of, of Ben Stokes. Really good captaincy by Fakupasi because he kept Maharaj on, even though mm. Stokes hit him for a few boundaries. And uh, yeah, so Maharaj getting the, the key wicket of Stokes. Uh, and then Anrik Nokia just uh, running in uh, full with passion full and energy. Yeah. yeah, it was wonderful to see. And, and he nipped out Joe Root. From there, South Africa were really uh, you know, in control, especially then with the second new ball coming avail- available. Smart, and uh, and yeah, Rabada was just at his, at his fiercest best uh, with that second new ball. So all in all, uh, a great final, those crickets. Good fight for England. But uh, South Africa's Excellence as a bowling unit, you know, prevailing on, on that fourth day. Wonderful to see. On reflection, Ken, and I'd be really interested to have, uh, to get your thoughts on it given how close you were to the action there and the players as well as the coaching staff. How big a difference do you think the new order of Smith, Boucher, Enque, uh, Langefeld and Cullis uh, made to that dressing room and ultimately the result? Because I get a sense, just looking from afar here, or having watched from afar, that that third, fourth evening, the butterflies would have been flying around, good start by England. Uh, and the old hands to say, between them and Faf, as the leader of that team, to say, we've been here before, boys. Keep stick to the rhythm, stick to your plans, and let nature take its course. Uh, and that's what I think we saw a lot of in day four. But your thoughts, uh, you were there, what do you reckon? No, it, it was a huge influence, you know, massive. Uh, we must remember that, that coming into this series, this is a, a South African team that got beaten 2-0 by Sri Lanka at home. You know, yeah. when do we even lose one test to Sri Lanka in South Africa? So, lost two to Sri Lanka at home. Then went to the World Cup and, and had a disastrous time. They were terrible at the World Cup. They then went to India, where they got absolutely smashed. Uh, you know, probably their worst the worst series in the history of South African cricket, three innings defeats. Added to that, all the off-field uh, shenanigans, you, you had uh, Cricket South Africa actively trying to destroy the players' union, a lot of them having their livelihoods uh, put at risk. Um, basically, the, you know, the top players were told, you're going to have to take a 30% pay cut next year. You can imagine how the protest felt, what was going through their heads, sure. um, they were really in, in no space to, to have a good series against England unless there were drastic changes. Those drastic changes have been made and, uh, you know, it, it's, it's worked really well. The, the players players were desperate for, for some experience in the change room. That's one of the things they said. That, you know, they'd come off the field and, and they just needed to see. Like Australia, you know, the Australian players come off after so the and, and Yeah, they've got Ricky Ponting in the change room. Justin Langer, um, you know, Steve Wozenbaugh. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a whole array of greats sitting there. 
know, just uh, as you said, to calm them down. So we've been we've been here in these situations before. Here's what here's what we do. Well, we can get through it. So yeah, and, and you know, in a couple of days before the test match started, one could certainly sense that the team were in a much better space mentally. That's uh, they seemed a lot more focused. Uh, and a lot of them have said that you know it, it's great that now all they've had to worry about is play. What goes on on the field is now what they can focus on. And they've all spoken about the you know the absolutely inspirational effect of of having Mark Boucher, Jacques Callis, Carl Langerfeld, uh, knowing that Graham Smith is is now directing strategic approach of South African cricket in in the longer term. So yeah, fantastic to see. And just a special mention, I, I think, you know, just to make a mention of Charles Lagerfeld, who probably not as much of a legend as guys like Barcher and Callis, but certainly a player, should have played a lot more for the Proteus. Um, a wonderfully skillful bowler and a very highly rated bowling coach. You know, I think the way he got that unit, that, that, that bowling attack, bowling as a unit uh, in the England second innings, very impressive. And also the way he got them, just keeping it simple, focusing on the basics. Let's stop them scoring, build pressure. Uh, that's how we win the game, and, and that's exactly what happens. Yeah, kudos, kudos thanks to the backroom boys. Well, thanks, th- thanks for sharing that with us, Ken. And I mean, I say it makes us, uh, it really is. A, it, it's a relief as well as a, a delight to, to to hear that feedback. Ken, we're looking ahead now. We're looking ahead to the Newlands Test. We know of some news. Uh, that's just come in around Peter Milan, who will make his test debut uh, at, uh, at Newlands, um, given the, the, the aforementioned injury to Adrian Markham. So your, your thoughts on his his selection? I see Mark Boucher has said that he'd want to go with a like-for-like uh, opener, so Bavuma, even if he's fit, may, may, may lose out. Keegan Peterson was brought into the squad as extra cover, uh, given uh, Markham's injury. But it's not him who's going to be uh, playing on uh, at Newlands in the, later in the week. Any other thoughts on team selection, Ken? No, look, I, I don't think Milan is guaranteed a debut just yet, but it certainly seems, uh, judging by what Mark, Mark Boucher said after the game, that he will uh, be the replacement for Markram, a specialist opener for a specialist home player, which is yeah, yeah, is fair enough. And, and Milan, of course, will be playing on his home ground at Newlands. Yeah, so it, it, it kind of makes sense. You know, Kemba Bavuma, in a way, um, is the little elephant in the room. Uh, apparently, he's, he's fit the system in question. Um, yeah. The Proteus wanted to get him on the field in the England second innings as, as Mark Rimm's replacement. Uh, Bavuma is obviously a tremendous fielder, so that, that would make sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, but apparently Kemba said, look, my, I'm still feeling pain in my side. And, and uh, so there are still question marks. Uh, over his fitness anyway. I do get the feeling, uh, judging by Mark Boucher's comments, though, that even if Bavuma was fit, uh, he probably wouldn't have made the team. He uh, wouldn't have made the starting eleven. That's what um, it certainly seems in terms of... Yeah, the, you know, Rassi making that... Yeah, Rassi making that vital half century the second innings. So, yeah, no no place for Bavuma in Cape Town, probably. You know, I, I think one of the things I was kind of toying with is Bavuma was fit was to move Rusty van der Drusen up into Markham's space. Rusty, of course, uh, has opened a lot in his in his career. Uh, so it wouldn't be that much of a of a change for him. But I guess with question marks still hanging over Bavuma, 
uh, strictly defensible approaches just to bring in the the next person in line, which is Peter Milan. You know, he's been a consistent performer at franchise level, the, the, the top opener for the last couple of years. Um, so let, let's hope he has a really good debut. Absolutely. And you've mentioned from the England point of view, do you think that uh, we've talked about the bowling uh, challenges and the potentially you say Bester might uh, drop out the, out the, the team there to bring in an additional bowler? Anything else that you suspect may may come down in terms of England? No, I, I think that would probably be the only changes. Burns is obviously secure of his best. Sibley, it, it was a struggle for Sibley in both innings. But, you know, he hung in there and, and he... And he you know, in a way, if you face 90 balls uh, in the one innings, and okay, and he faced a dozen balls in the first innings, but uh, you know, in the second innings, he, he, he did a good, he did a good, a, a good job. You know, partnering Burns, hanging in there. So yeah, you know, you don't want to make too many changes to the side. Although I hear simply has now gone down. Uh, with oh the no! That has struck off England's captain. Ken, did the teams even shake hands at the end there? If I was one of the folks... They, they did, they did. It was the normal, <laughs> it was the normal handshakes, but I, I did hear from a, a source within the change room that uh, they had never seen the players wash their hands so vigorously ever before. Are you uh, yeah, as they did when they came back into the change yeah, so, yeah, so uh, obviously everyone hoping and praying that the the bug doesn't jump across to the um, South African uh, change room. But uh, yeah, indeed, I, mean, I, I, I think sorting out the, the England bowling, uh, getting a spinner in, uh, that, that, that's going to be the most important sort of change uh, for them. And Leach is expected to be fit for that, uh, Ken? I believe so, yes, yeah. In, in, in conclusion, in summary, I think what we obviously want to see as the series progresses is the best team uh, selection that's available. And it, it really was quite quite a disruption to that England uh, start, as you've alluded to. Uh, it might also explain some of the lethargy in, and maybe the choices were made by Trust Archer, particularly in that first innings. Um, and, yeah, I just hope that England get a chance to pick from a from full, fully fit squad uh, and ditto the South Africans, notwithstanding the disappointment of both Bavuma and Markham at this stage. I think on that on that note, many thanks for your reflections. We move on to Friday to Newlands. They are on the 3rd of January. It should be a full house. I think when I, when I left South Africa, checking the tickets, at least the first three days were sold out. It's going to be an amazing time down there at Newlands. I'm sure you're looking forward to it. Yeah, New, New Year's test in Cape Town is always something very special and uh, you know there, there were a few balmy army uh, types at Centurion but they are coming in their floods for New Year's in Cape Town so it's going to be absolutely fantastic and, and England are going to be more of a challenge in Cape Town I don't think there's any doubt you know a lot of their bowlers were, were pretty rusty uh, having not bowled for a couple of weeks so they're all going to be better for you know having a, a good workout uh, under their belts so a better England side, a wonderful atmosphere. Uh, it's going to be a head of a test match, I think. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it, Kenny. In the meantime, Ken, travel safely down from Gauteng down to the Western Cape. Travel safely and all the best for the new year, my friend. We'll talk at the end of the second test match uh, there at Newlands. Have a great time. Look forward to catching up with you in a few in a week or so's time, Ken. Thanks, Pete. Go well and uh, a happy new year to you and to all our listeners. Many thanks, Ken. You look after yourself. All the best.